This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. China is facing an attack of immense proportions. Truly fifth-generational warfare. And it's sourced from the man who is the master of manipulating markets, crushing currencies, destroying economies, fragmenting civilizations, and eliminating all of his political opponents. Mr. George Soros. And with China in his crosshairs, One also must understand that Soros plans on taking down another complete menace to his dream of open society, BlackRock and Larry Fink, who have decided to align themselves with the Chinese Communist Party as they attempt to control a splintered and fragmented United States. The real roundhouse haymaker came from Soros in his articles that appeared in both the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal. Now, for those of you that have been listening to the causes of things and listening to my presentations over the past four years, will know that I have consistently pointed out that George Soros and Xi Jinping have been at odds for many years, with Soros having some sway in China, Taiwan, and Southeast Asia back for a number of decades. As a matter of fact, my former friend and client, Ronnie Chan, had Mr. Soros speak at several events for the Asia Society back at the beginning of the new millennium back when Mr. Soros thought that he could possibly do in China what he has been planning on doing in Europe, in the United States. Now, all of those dreams came to an end with the reign of the authoritarian and increasingly Maoist, and actually Hitler-esque, Xi Jinping. So now that the frenemies of global domination have effectively conquered the United States by using reflexive methodologies to have the United States commit economic suicide in 20 and 21, and after ensuring that a top-down authoritarian regime is in control of the White House and Congress, now there is another competition that has started between those that want a heavy-handed authoritarian Chinese Communist Party in the lead globally, or a parallel, more reflexive, softly authoritarian, technocratic rule that will eventually be the Western civilization model of what China is currently pursuing. Plus, you have at work what is George Soros's main life purpose, which is to ensure that his particular brand of open society and its handmaiden of reflexivity is the dominant player in the world. You see, George Soros is an ideologue, just like his father, Tividar, was before him. And so now George Soros is going to embark on the final cherry-on-the-top moment of his destructive, deconstructive, Marcusian-driven career. The disrupting and dismantling of the Chinese Communist Party. Because this is what Mr. Soros does. He begins the fiery wheels of reflexivity against whatever he seeks to either change or diminish so he can fully take control just like he has done in the United Kingdom in crushing the pound in 1992, just like he did with Malaysia, just like he did with the Czech Republic, just like he did 
back and tried to do, actually, in Hungary, and just like he has done recently in the United States. Fracturing and changing everything with a full, top-down, bottom-up, and inside-out revolution. And now, thinking that he has the United States and Europe moving in the right direction, he has turned his attention to China, and he is going to financially dismantle China. And one reason that he knows that he can do this is that China is a paper tiger. China is completely fake. It is a copy of the original, but is based upon magical economic models that alchemically make things appear to be successful. But they really aren't. In other words, what ought to be successful and real in China is not. It is all make-believe. China is not a superstate. It is a super-make-believe state. And it is also the most racist, hegemonic, radically colonizing, oppressive nation on Earth. And Soros knows its weaknesses. Ronnie Chan said a few years ago to me that, quote, Soros does not understand China, end quote, in a mocking tone. He said the same thing publicly to several periodicals. Well, Ronnie Chan is about to find out that Mr. Soros was always the smartest guy in the room during his meetings at the Asia Society. Now, with me saying this, this is not some sort of Stockholm syndrome that I'm suffering. This is the truth. If you know your adversary, you have to know their strengths and their weaknesses. And Mr. Soros's strength is his abundant intelligence and understanding of things, his understanding of ideology, philosophy, and history. Uh, Mr. Chan would like to think that he knows those things, especially history, and he's quite deficient in understanding history. But George Soros is about to financially disable China and begin a color revolution, Oudport style, in China. And that is why China has just declared George Soros a terrorist. Yes, the Communist Chinese Party has declared George Soros a threat and has declared 91-year-old George Soros a terrorist. That's China. Well, at least China recognizes what George Soros is capable of doing, while in the United States and Europe... Whenever you mention the name Soros, you are called a conspiracy theorist. So if you are wondering what crushed China's market yesterday, with Evergrande's plunge triggering markets to fall worldwide, well, let me take you back to last month and Soros' opinion piece in the Financial Times, where Soros writes the following, quote, Xi Jinping, China's leader. No, I, can't write, I can't read the whole thing in Soros' voice, so just deal with me here, okay? Quote, Xi Jinping, China's leader, has collided with economic reality. His crackdown on private enterprise has been a significant drag on the economy. The most vulnerable sector is real estate, particularly housing. China has enjoyed an extended property boom over the last two decades, but that is now coming to an end. Evergrande, the largest real estate company, is over-indebted and in danger of default. This could cause a crash. The underlying cause is that China's birth rate 
is much lower than the statistics indicate. The officially reported figure overstates the population by a significant amount. Xi inherited these demographics, but his attempts to change them have made things worse. One of the reasons why middle-class families are unwilling to have more than one child is that they want to make sure that their children will have a bright future. As a result, a large tutoring industry has grown up, dominated by Chinese companies backed by U.S. investors. Such for-profit tutoring companies were recently banned from China, and this became an important element in the sell-off in New York-listed Chinese companies and shell companies. The crackdown by the Chinese government is real. Unnoticed by the financial markets, the Chinese government quietly took a stake and a board seat in TikTok owner ByteDance in April. The move gives Beijing one seat on a three-person board of directors and first-hand access to the inner workings of a company that has one of the world's largest troves of personal data. The market is more aware that the Chinese government is taking influential stakes in Alibaba and its subsidiaries. Xi does not understand how markets operate. As a consequence, the sell-off was allowed to go too far. It began to hurt China's objectives in the world. Recognizing this, Chinese financial authorities have gone out of their way to reassure foreign investors and markets have responded with a powerful rally. But that, referring back to the rally, is a deception. Xi regards all Chinese companies as instruments of a one-party state. Investors buying into the rally are facing a rude awakening. That includes not only those investors who are conscious of what they are doing, but also a much larger number of people who have exposure via pension funds and other retirement savings. Pension fund managers allocate their assets in ways that are closely aligned with the benchmarks against which their performance is measured. Almost all of them claim that they factor environmental, social, and corporate governance, you know, ESG, ESG standards into their investment decisions. The MSCI, All Country World Index, ACWI, is the benchmark most widely followed by global equity asset allocators. An estimated $5 trillion is passively managed, which means that it replicates the index. A multiple of this amount is actively managed, but it also closely tracks the MSCI index. In MSCI's ACWI ESG Leaders Index, Alibaba and Tencent are two of the top 10 constituents. In BlackRock's ESG-aware Emerging Market Exchange Traded Fund, Chinese companies represent a third of total investments. These indices have effectively forced hundreds of billions of dollars belonging to U.S. investors into Chinese companies whose corporate governance does not meet the required standard. <laughs> Power and accountability is now exercised by one man who is not accountable to any international authority. The U.S. Congress should pass a bipartisan bill explicitly requiring that asset managers invest only in companies where actual governance structures are both transparent and align with stakeholders. Uh, a side note here, you can see that the whole ESG scheme is a scheme. It's a mess. So even though Soros is saying that everybody has to make sure that they are in line with ESG standards, uh, you can see that this is a, just a way to exercise control 
over not only international means, but also national means. This is what's happening to us today. So while I read this and continue on with Mr. Soros and what he's saying, you have to understand that you are being manipulated. Your stock portfolios are being manipulated. And this whole talk of stakeholders, which is nonsense, we will get into that later. Back to Mr. Soros, quote, This rule should obviously apply to the performance benchmarks selected by pensions and other retirement portfolios. If Congress were to enact these measures, it would give the Securities and Exchange Commission the tools it needs to protect American investors, including those who are unaware of owning Chinese stocks and Chinese shell companies. That would also serve the interests of the U.S. and wider international community of democracies. SEC Chair Gary Gensler has repeatedly warned the public of the risk they take by investing in China. But foreign investors who choose to invest in China find it remarkably difficult to recognize these risks. They have seen China confront many difficulties and always come through with flying colors. But Xi's China is not the China they know. He is putting in place an updated version of Mao Zedong's party. No investor has any experience of that China because there were no stock markets in Mao's time. Hence, the rude awakening that awaits them. End quote. So George Soros, really not saying anything that isn't true, pulled back the curtain to the wizard in China's Oz. So what you have here are two frenemies who sought to set the world in a new globalist direction, but now are turning on one another. With China firing the first shots, barking loudly and arresting Chinese billionaire friends of Soros like Jack Ma, Soros knows that the time is right to show China for what it is. But Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, you know, the folks that are buying up all the property around the United States, because, you know, in the future, you're going to own nothing and you're going to like it. Well, anyway, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, has put all of his chips on the Communist Chinese Party and is hedging all of his financial bets on helping the Chinese win. So Soros is going to go for Fink's head as well. Now, Soros is chiding BlackRock for leading the global race to invest in China, calling it a tragic mistake. In a recent Wall Street Journal op-ed, yes, George Soros is getting around now, by the way. He's writing everywhere, really like never before. This is amazing at 91 years old. And he's attacking the morality of BlackRock and peers pouring billions into China. Soros added in his Wall Street Journal piece that it is, quote, is likely to lose money for BlackRock clients and, more importantly, will damage the national security interests of the United States and other democracies, end quote. So when Soros argues, quote, today the U.S. and China are engaged in a life and death conflict between two systems of governance, repressive and democratic, end quote, bombast aside, it is hard to dismiss Soros's argument about China. In fact, he has a good point when he warns that Xi's crackdown on Ant Group's initial public offering and ride-sharing giant Didi Global means Xi's party is making all mainland companies, quote, instruments of the state, end quote. A stealth nationalization of the private sector. So what then do investors think that they're actually investing in when they invest in China or in BlackRock? 
Well, the tension between the globe's biggest money manager, BlackRock, and one of the world's most influential financial thinkers in Soros speaks to the minefield Xi has laid for international investors. And so now, the paradoxes abound, and China is making it super easy for foreign investment giants to rush into its domestic markets. But Xi's policies and assault on press freedom are making China, Inc., if you will, more opaque, more cloudy, and less accountable to shareholders, to actual shareholders, not talking about stakeholders now in the nonsense language. Well, Soros, for example, is accurately stating that there is an enormous crisis brewing in China's real estate market. He's correct about that. The will-they-or-won't-they-default drama at China Evergrande Group, the most indebted property developer anywhere in the world, shows that Soros knows what he is talking about. And that's the tough thing for China. Soros knows where the bodies are buried. He knows that this is all a Potemkin village. And by tightening Beijing's grip on the private sector, Xi is also empowering an inefficient state sector he pledged to shrink. Now, Xi's cybersecurity exploits, canceling of Hong Kong's freedoms, human rights abuses in Xinjiang, and lack of cooperation in probing the origins of COVID-19, risk making overseas investors feel dirty about investing in China. Now, even though Larry Fink thinks this is a great idea, this is where you ought to pour all your money, pour it into this communist Chinese party state. And of course, BlackRock founder Larry Fink is the big money vanguard in the whole play. So in June of 2021, the firm became the first wholly foreign-owned mutual fund in China. The firm has begun offering mainland individuals investment products, and this week, it raised about $1 billion for its first mainland mutual fund. And when I say mainland, again, that's BlackRock in China, the one who's buying up all of our homes in the United States. BlackRock, of course, is being accompanied by a who's who of Wall Street names, betting the opportunities in China outweigh the risks. HSBC, JP Morgan, Credit Suisse, Vanguard, French asset manager Amundi, Britain's Schroders, all of them are in. Ray Dalio of BlackRock is plenty enthusiastic too. Dalio runs Bridgewater Associates, the largest hedge fund. Only it is not Soros telling Dalio his bullishness on China is bunk. Instead, it is Chinese expert George Magnus who is arguing with Dalio and his ilk that they are flat wrong to think that Xi is making China a more vibrant place. Just the opposite is happening. Again, Xi's actions in recent months raise questions about whether China is really as open for business as Western bankers want you to think. Xi Jinping's common prosperity agenda is sowing extreme chaos. The resulting fallout for economic growth and asset prices is imperiling global trust in what you could call geonomics. Xi's main obsession is winning an unprecedented third term as leader in 2022. But at what cost to China's global standing? And that might also be Soros's play, is to ensure that someone else is at the reins of the Chinese Communist Party as we move into the last stretches of the Great Reset 
and into Build Back Better. Now, amid Trump's trade war, the future of China was for the taking. But its clout now is surging since the dismissal of Donald Trump. And Xi's actions these last 10 months, since, of course, the Biden administration has taken over, seem rather anathema to Deng Xiaoping's 1980 reforms, upgrades he pledged to accelerate. And you know what? These days, Xi is really channeling Mao Zedong too much for comfort. Xi's intensely nationalistic mindset, writes George Soros, has seen the Chinese Communist Party morph into a, quote, Leninist party with a leader willing to use both political and military power to impose his will. Now, according to Soros, Xi's dictatorial metamorphosis is fully complete. In modern-day China, for instance, with Xi at the helm, intimidation, writes Soros, reigns supreme, and it does. Now, remember, this is George Soros we're talking about, a man who once called the United States the main obstacle to a stable and just world. Now, though, post-Trump, China appears to be national security threat number one. Now, notice how different Soros' view of what is the main national security threat is from even the U.S. military or from Joe Biden. Saying all this, though, all is far from rosy in Beijing. The Chinese regime is not without problems of its own. Whether or not it manages to overcome them remains to be seen. But he has a point that crushing China's entrepreneurial spirit is no way to raise the nation's competitive game. Soros is right. And of course, it is also for Soros' goal of creating a hybrid, popper, Marcusean version of his dream of open society, and Soros' own goals and life purposes and his ideologies. Soros is willing to gamble everything now. And I think we need to see the opportunity that we have as these two ultimate Bond villains, although let's not leave out Klaus Schwab. He is right on par with Xi and Soros. But we need to see the opportunity to gain ground while they begin to take massive hits on one another. But I will say, if Soros accomplishes what he is setting out to do, I think we have more of a chance of winning in the end than we would with a successful Chinese government or Chinese-funded government. But we need to be careful here as well. We need to understand what George Soros is all about. So what drives George Soros? What is his main purpose for both China and the rest of the world? What is reflexivity and how does it work? And most importantly, what is Soros's vision for open societies? And how is this directly and negatively affecting all of us today? Well, we will get into the meat of these questions tomorrow as we explore some of the material that I have shared on the causes of things way back in 2017 and 2018. You see, I've been talking about this for a while. And we will make what seems to be murky very clear on tomorrow's public occurrences, both foreign and domestic.
Thank you.